Translation We are now living in the heavenly planets, undoubtedly as a result of our having performed ritualistic ceremonies, pious activities and yagnas, and having studied the Vedas. However, our lives here will only one day be finished. We pray that at that time, if any merit remains from our pious activities, we may again take birth in Bharat Varsha as human beings able to remember the lotus feet of the Lord. The Lord is so kind that He personally comes to the land of Bharat Varsha and expands the good fortune of its people. Purport It is certainly as a result of pious activities that one takes birth in the heavenly planets. But from those planets one must nevertheless come down again to the earth, as stated in Bhagavad Gita. Even the demigods must return to earth to work like ordinary men when the results of their pious activities expire. Nevertheless, the demigods desire to come to the land of Bharat Varsha if even a small portion of, them, of the merits of their pious activities remains. In other words, to take birth in Bharat Varsha, one must perform more pious activities than the demigods. In Bharat Varsha, one is naturally Krishna conscious, and if one further cultivates his Krishna consciousness by the grace of Krishna, he certainly expands his good fortune by becoming perfect in Krishna consciousness and very easily going back home, back to Godhead. In many other places in the Vedic literature, it is found that even the demigods want to come to this land of Bharat Varsha. A foolish person may desire to be promoted to the heavenly planets as a result of his pious activities. But even the demigods from the heavenly planets want to come to Bharat Varsha and achieve bodies that may be very easily used to cultivate Krishna consciousness. Therefore, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu repeatedly says, Bharata Bhumite Khaila Manushya Janmayar Janma Sartra Kakari Kara Para Upakar. A human being born in the land of Bharat Varsha has the special prerogative to develop Krishna consciousness. Therefore, those already born in Bharat Varsha should take lessons from the Shastras and Guru and should fully take advantage of the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in order to, to be fully equipped with Krishna consciousness. By taking full advantage of Krishna consciousness, one goes back home, back to Godhead. Yanti Madhyagno Pimam the Krishna Consciousness Movement is therefore spreading this facility to human society by opening many, many centers all over the world so that people may associate with the pure devotees of the Krishna Consciousness Movement, understand the signs of Krishna Consciousness and ultimately go back home, back to Godhead. Om Jnanati Mirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Katamahiyam Dadati Svapadantikam Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Girim Yatripatamaham Mande Shri Guru Dinatarinam Vancha Kaipadaluyascha Bharat Varsha, which is also part of the Chambudvi. And in Bharat Varsha, 
Narayan Rishi is the presiding deity of Bharat Varsha and prayers are being offered by Narad Muni and all the exalted demigods of Bharat Varsha. So that is what is going on. So we are almost at the fat end of this chapter and in fact today's verse is one of the last prayers being offered by the demigods to Narayan Rishi and the chapter will conclude, there's only two more verses and the chapter will conclude with further description of the seven islands of Jambudri and then we will start another chapter and description of other islands of this uh, universe. So, if we, when we see the description of Bharat Varsha being started by Sukhdev Goswami, he starts with some of the similarities. So, it is mentioned that even Bharat Varsha has lots of mountains, rivers and tracts of land, so different types of topographies as it is there in the other Varshas. So that is how Sukhdev Goswami starts the description of Bharat Varsha. Yet Bharat Varsha is significant or one of the main differences of quite a few differences he uh, mentions but one of the differences he starts with is that the Vedic principle of Varnashram Dharma is present in Bharat Varsha. So it looks like in other Varshas this division according to Varnashram Dharma might not be present. That is what you know, obviously we have to study a bit more, but this was mentioned as one of the significance of Bharat Varsha, that the Vedic principle of Varnashram Dharma is present. And because of this Vedic principle of Varnashram Dharma being present, there is an opportunity for people to perfect their life and attain moksha or liberation by following the tenets of Varnashram Dharma. Not only that, one of the other benefits of Bharat Varsha is that there is an opportunity to associate with devotees. Again, all this is being glorified by Narad Muni, obviously Sukhdev Goswami, but he is quoting Narad Muni who is glorifying all this. There is also the opportunity to awaken one's dormant propensity to serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which is not present in many other Varshas. Here it is very easy to awaken one's dormant propensity. And because of this opportunity to awaken one's dormant propensity, one is able to then offer unalloyed devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In fact, like today it is mentioned, and even in previous few verses it is mentioned by the demigods in Naradmani, that the Supreme Personality of Godhead actually chooses Bharat Varsha to come into this world. So that is why this tract of land of Bharat Varsha is so pious. It is so um, conducive for one to actually perfect their life and to go back to Godhead because the Supreme Lord appears over here. And we'll discuss some of the advantages and why demigods want to appear here later in the class. But these are some of the differences which Sukhdev Goswami has started listing. So one is that Varnashram Dharma is present because of which people can perfect their life and achieve liberation. Also because the Lord personally appears here, people have the chance to perfect, to become devotees, to offer unalloyed devotional service association of devotees is only available in Bharat Varsha. And um, therefore we see that the demigod, uh, sorry, the demigods who are residents of the higher planetary systems are actually hankering to take birth in this Bharat Varsha. In fact, it was mentioned in the previous few verses that the glories of Bharat Varsha are being sung in the higher planetary systems. In fact, even in Brahma Loka it is said the glories of Bharat Varsha are being sung. So over here, everybody, like especially most of the human society, everyone likes to be famous. They like their name, especially if you look at celebrities' lives, everybody likes to be famous. More people should know me. Even on Facebook, like when people post something, they want to see how many likes they receive, or how many people commented, or how many people share their post. So it is so much about, you know, receiving that recognition, receiving that prestige, receiving that fame. But little do we realize that when we read the Bhagavatam, we come to know that we are actually famous even in Brahma Loka, all the residents of Bharat Varsha. Their glories are sung about Bharat Varsha and the residents of Bharat Varsha. So today's verse, like we mentioned, is the last prayer which the demigods are offering. And the next three verses, again, the chapter will end. So today's verse is very important. It's a really nice prayer which is being offered by the demigods. Because it glorifies, it brings out this unique position of Bharat Varsha. And when we hear it from the mouth of the demigods, our faith actually goes up. Because sometimes, you know, especially people who are born in Bharat Varsha, which is the present land of India, we might take it for granted, our birth. 
and we might say, oh yeah, we were born in Bharatvarsha, and we might look at more of the frailties or all the fallacies which are there in Bharatvarsha rather than the glories which are there associated with Bharatvarsha. Only when we become devotees, we realize that yes, it is actually, you know, a very pious land to be born in, and we must have done something in a previous lifetime to achieve this birth in Bharatvarsha. But if you speak to a common man in India, most of them are actually wanting to escape from all the difficulties that the land of India might offer. But when we hear this glorification from the mouth of the demigods about Bharat Varsha and how they are yearning to take birth in this holy land, it actually makes our own uh, recognition or our own desire that or our own gratitude towards Bharat Varsha go up. So why? Why are demigods aspiring to do this? Why are they wanting to take birth in Bharat Varsha? When most of the pious population, if you see in India, there are there is a lot of piety. Even today, I know West, like you know, Western culture is having a lot of influence in India, especially in the big cities. But still, there is some piety. There is recognition of demigods. There is recognition of you know that there is Krishna. There are personalities called Krishna. There is recognition of higher authorities. People are not um, either you know completely indifferent to the fact who is providing them all these necessities like Devangrat Maharaj was once in the class quite some time ago and he was saying that most of the population today especially in the western countries they don't even want to take the trouble of aligning themselves with atheism because even to do that you have to then in your mind work out that no I disagree that there is the existence of God but they don't even want to do that they are indifferent for them, it doesn't matter whether God exists, it doesn't matter whether God doesn't exist. They don't even want to invest any thinking towards that direction. That is the condition of most of the population today. But in India, we see at least most of the population recognizes that there is, a, there is somebody higher authority who is providing all these necessities of life. And therefore, we see many pujas and pious activities are conducted by people. But most of them are doing that from material point of view. We mentioned in this class before, like there was a survey done for people who were standing outside one famous Ganpati temple in Mumbai. And this, this Friday is Ganesh Chaturthi. It's a very auspicious day. It's Ganesh Chaturthi. It will be celebrated with great form, especially in Mumbai where I come from, I know. But there was a survey done of people and they were asked, what are you standing? Because on Tuesday, especially outside that temple, people would queue since the previous night. It would be so like, crowded and people had so much faith in that particular Ganesha temple. So somebody did a survey and they were asking them, what are you standing here for? What do you want to um, ask from Lord Ganesha? So like that, several people were asked in that queue and most of them were standing there for some material fulfillment. There is some problem in their life, they either they want that to go away, good health, or my I should get a son or a daughter, or my daughter should get married, my son should get a job, my husband's um, job is at stake, let his job stay, somebody's health is not going well. So we are, you know, having uh, my daughter's marriage is coming up, we need more money. So it was always about material um, satisfaction or some material sense gratification. But still they are worshipping the demigods. At least they are going there, recognizing that yes, these demigods can bestow benedictions on us. In fact, once Srila Prabhupada was um, traveling with his disciples in the train, I was reading this in the Leela Vita quite a few years ago, and Achyutananda Swami, who was traveling with Srila Prabhupada, he asked him, because there was some conversation about demigod worship and all that, and he asked him, he said, Prabhupada, what is higher? Is demigod worship higher or is Christianity higher? And Prabhupada said that demigod worship is higher because it is Vedic. It is mentioned in the Vedas. And we see even in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna himself says that he gives that faith by which one comes to the demigods for, and he is the one who is bestowing the benedictions to the demigods. And once one does these pious activities, because the heart is at least inclined to accepting someone as a higher authority, they might not know that Krishna is the Supreme Lord, but at least they are accepting someone higher as there. Slowly, these people can then be directed towards Krishna consciousness. So that is why Prabhupada claimed that yes, because it's Vedic, it's higher, the demigod worship. So we see many people do all these worship of demigods and many pujas, many yagyas and all that is done. And what is the goal? Most of them are actually trying to achieve the heavenly planets. Most of them want to 
गो एज एसाइज इन दी हेवन एंड एंजॉय द बेनिफिट्स दैट दी हेवन बी प्लानिट्स ऑफ अर्थ but on the other hand we see that the demigods are actually wanting to come down here they want to take birth as human beings in bharat varsha so you know opposite desires we want to go to the heavenly planets and the demigods actually want to come down here to bharat varsha so to ascend to heaven as it is mentioned in this particular verse it is not an easy task it is not oh heavenly planets demigods want to come here so it must be easy to go there no it is an extremely difficult uh, Activity, or it is very, very hard to achieve these heavenly planets. Even Ravana had tried to create a staircase when he was there to heavenly planets, and he couldn't succeed. So, in this present human body, obviously nobody can go. And like the demigods have mentioned themselves, some of you know a lot and lot of pious activities and credits are required to reach these heavenly planets. One has to do quite a few yagyas, charities, uh, dana, tapa, austerities, vows, pujas. so many activities they have to perform so many vedic sacrifices they and rituals they have to perform once they amass a huge amount of pious credits then they are able to ascend to the heavenly planets so it is not so easy to go there in this present body so then what is the drawback when so many pious activities are required to go to the heavenly planets then why is it we are seeing that demigods are then aspiring to come here So it is mentioned that the main drawback of the heavenly planets is too much opulence. Janma Ishwarya Shruta Shudir E Dhamana Madhatuman Naivar Hathi Abhihatum Vai Dwam Akinchana Bojram Kunti Marani says in her prayers. Janma Ishwarya Shruta and Shudir. One who has high birth, Shri high opulence, high very nice beauty or very good education, lot of power, fame. For these people, it is extremely difficult to come to the understanding or come to the surrender, the point of surrender to the lotus feet of the Lord. In fact, these things can actually be very intoxicating, and we have seen that in the Bhagavatam. We have seen that from the example of Kuvera's sons, Nalu Kuvera and Mani Kiva. They were intoxicated with the wealth of their father. They were demigods who were born with great beauty, great strength, and obviously lots of riches because they were the sons of Kuvera. but they were intoxicated so this this too much opulence of the heavenly planets can be very intoxicating and because it is intoxicating obviously it's very difficult to take shelter of the supreme personality of godhead even in here in the material world we see when someone is very famous or someone is very beautiful very rich or lot of fame lot of power it's very you know most of the celebrities we see today celebrities It is very difficult for somebody to preach to them and make them inclined towards Krishna consciousness. So that is one of the biggest drawbacks of uh, of the heavenly planets: that too much opulence and too much intoxication because of the opulence. Also, with this opulence comes attachment. In the material world, also we see like even a pauper is proud of his penny. He is very attached to his penny. So, what to speak of the heavenly planets? as soon as somebody achieves something they become attached to it they want to protect it they want to ensure the security of that thing whether it is wealth whether it is beauty and most of the industries are actually thriving on this this insecurity of people and this attachment of people and you know the cosmetic industry for example we see because there is attachment to beauty then everybody wants to preserve their beauty and they think that no old age should not affect the beauty of my face so plastic surgery so many creams lotions hair dyes the whole cosmetic industry is thriving on this attachment of people to their beauty so in the heavenly planets you know then the best of everything is available so how can demigods not become attached to whatever is available facilities are available to them if we to take about singers now in this material world there are some singers who are so famous I come from India, so one of the most famous singers there is Lata Mangeshkar, for example, or Kishore Kumar. I know we are also in Western countries. There are so many singers who are extremely famous because of their ability to sing well, and they are able to attract thousands of fans who are very who are very attracted to their singing ability. So even in the material world, singers have so much fame. Then what to speak of the Gandharvas, who can sing so much thousand times better than all these people? In fact, it is mentioned that when a Gandharva sings, and if a human being hears a human being hears a Gandharva sing, he will actually faint. 
It is so melodious and so uh, so intoxicating. We are singing a Gandharva singing. So that is singing beauty. So much thousands of more kinds of beauty is available in the heavenly planets. Again, Prabhupada used to cause was I think I read in one of Prabhupada's purports. So even the most beautiful woman of this earth, we have all these pageants happening, Miss World, Miss Universe, Miss Australia, Miss India. So even the most beautiful woman of this world, it looks like an ugly duckling in front of the Aksaras of the heavenly planets. They have absolutely nothing. And it is said that the heavenly planets Aksaras look very ugly when compared to the residents of the spiritual world. So we can imagine that how, you know, the beauty that is available in the heavenly planets especially, how can it not be intoxicating? How can one not become attached to this beauty when so much beauty is available freely in the heavenly planets? Same with strengths, riches, everything. Like everything is multiplied thousands and thousands of times more in the heavenly planets. We, you know, talk about big houses now. To buy one house in Albert Park, you have two small, two bedroom houses more than 1.5, 1.6 million. Dollars. And if you want one extra bathroom or one extra bedroom, it definitely goes about 2.3 million and all. So you can imagine like even to buy a small house in a good suburb, the amount of, you know, the palaces that are there in the heavenly thing, uh, planets with all, they are studded with gems and rubies and all these things. So they are much, much more opulent and obviously once you have a house here, you become so attached. Oh my God, I spent $2 million for this house, so let me protect it well. So in the heavenly planets, the, all these opportunities are offering more and more and more opportunity for demigods to become attached. And even natural resources. It is said that the quality of life is so supreme in the heavenly planets. Like the fruits that we eat over here are absolutely, you know, obviously we all try to go and buy organic so that they might have some less chemicals or pesticides or preservatives or whatever. And we don't even know whether those organic people are actually genuine. Whether you know, I was asking in one shop, oh, are you at an organic shop in Victoria Market? And he said, No, we are not organic, but how do you know others are organic? He's challenging me. You know, only if you grow in your own garden that is organic. Otherwise, if somebody is claiming organic, we also don't know whether it's organic. Which I found is true. And what Prabhupada used to say, cultivate your own fruits and vegetables. So, but the quality of fruits, the quality of vegetables, the way um, things are grown in the heavenly planets. The quality of life is very good because of that. Because of the you know, amount of the high quality of fruits and vegetables which are available over there. So because of all these riches, all this natural beauty, resources, singing abilities, everything is high, highly, highly heightened as compared to this Bharat Varsha. In fact, Srila Prabhupada, when he was translating the Krishna book, he was in one of the sections of the Krishna book, he was describing the, the heavenly planets. And he had written beautiful descriptions about the heavenly planets. And while editing and proofreading, some of the devotees gave feedback to Srila Prabhupada. They said, Prabhupada, everyone is becoming very enamored by all this description that you've written of the heavenly planets. And we can see they are getting very attached and attracted to these heavenly planets description. So Srila Prabhupada said, no, no, bring that back. I'm going to scale it down. Because we don't want devotees to get diverted towards the heavenly planets. We want them to aspire for the highest goal of life. So Srila Prabhupada actually brought and scaled it down. But this is how the heavenly planets are. And therefore we see people, whoever is doing any pious activities in Bharat Varsha, they are aspiring to go to the heavenly kingdoms. But in this prayer we are seeing exactly the opposite prayer by the demigods. They are aspiring to come down here to the earthly planets. So very, you know, this attachment is extremely difficult to give up. Once people become attached to all these heavenly uh, pleasures, once we are used to a higher standard of living, it is very difficult to then adjust back to a lower standard of living. So if we see, especially of you know when we come, many of us came to Australia, especially speaking of Brahastas like us, we came to have a better future. We came to escape you know all the uh, hardships of Indian India life, and we came here so that we can have a better future for us and for our children. Obviously, thankfully we came in Krishna consciousness and now we know that the goal is there. And now the purpose of staying in Australia is because there is so much opportunity which this temple offers for us to serve Krishna. But the main aim why people come to Western countries to settle down is because they want a higher standard of living. And if you tell any of these people now to go back to India and work, it becomes so difficult for them to adjust to that standard of life again. 
Like again speaking of Mumbai, where I come from, the local trains. Here, you know, we go in uh, trams, which is now working from home. But even when everything was open and we go in the tram, there is absolutely no crowd. I remember Atul Krishna Prabhu from Mayapur when he was visiting here, he was mentioning. He said in Mayapur or any place, if you want to get in, a, in the bus, you have to hustle, hustle with people and get in, to get your spot. But he said, here in the tram, I was thinking I'll have to hustle, hustle, but there was no one there to hustle, hustle. The trams are most of the like, only during peak times they might be a bit crowded. But otherwise, most of the times the trams are nicely empty, you get a place to sit, every very good connectivity, cars are there, good roads are there, affordability is there to have all these facilities. So once we get used to all this, good schools are there, education, our children don't have to go through the hardships, that those intense competition which comes because of uh, so much population in India. So our children don't have to go through all these hardships. So then it is difficult to go back and settle in India and again travel in those local trains, go in those schools where there will be such tough competition to get into IIT or even any good engineering or medicine or whichever field somebody wants to take. So Indra, we see, therefore the demigods and Indra, they also become attached. In the previous few verses it was mentioned by the demigods themselves that because of our attachment to our material opulences and sense gratification that these opulences offer, so easily it is available, we have almost forgotten the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So because of this attachment comes insecurity and we see Indra, Many times in the Bhagavatam he is mentioned throughout the Bhagavatam because of his insecurity. Like the famous pastime of Govardhan Leela was because of Indra's insecurity. He said, oh, prayers are not being offered to me. Obviously he was attached to that puja and pratishtha. And as soon as one little village did not offer prayers to him, he became very angry. And he started, oh, we know the whole pastime, he you know, sent torrents of rain and then Krishna taught him a lesson and broke down his pride. In the same way also he gets threatened. Whenever he sees his position as the heavenly um, kingdom's king being attacked, he becomes very threatened and that we see in Prithu Maharaj's pastime. As soon as he sees that Prithu Maharaj might do the hundred horse sacrifice, the Ashwamedha Yagya, and then he can actually become the king of heaven, Indra becomes very threatened. Again, he feels very insecure and he steals that hundred sacrificial horse. Brahma has to intervene and he has to do a truce between the two of them. And Prithu Maharaj, obviously, being a Shakti Avesha Avatar, he agrees to Brahma's request that don't do the hundred sacrifice, let only Indra have that fame of having the hundred Ashwamedha Yagyas. So we see how demigods can become so threatened, so insecure, because they are used to living years and years. The lifetime is so long in the heavenly planets that they become used to enjoying this for years and years. There is no diminishing as well as we see in earth, earthly planets. That also doesn't happen there. But we still see, like, you know, amidst all these opulences, it's very difficult to remember Krishna, like we said. Like the demigods themselves are saying. In fact, Priya Nathaji had asked that question, I think, day before yesterday in the Bhagavatam class. That it is mentioned in the Ishopanishad, I think, in verse 12, that demigod worshippers have go into the darkest region of ignorance. So how do we understand that? On one hand, we know if people worship demigods and do lots of pious activities, they can actually go to the destination of the demigods, which is the heavenly planets. That is what is claimed in the Bhagavad Gita. But in the Ishopanishad, we read this. But the understanding is that obviously, very nicely, Sri Krishna Prabhu had explained that the darkest region of ignorance is nothing but forgetfulness of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is why it's why they go into the darkest region of ignorance. So, surrounded by a lot of opulences, but complete forgetfulness of the Supreme Lord. And that is why they are in ignorance. Ignorance of their true identity that they are servants of the Supreme Lord. So therefore we see these demigods in this verse and even in the previous few verses, they are praying, Oh my Lord, we aspire to take birth in the Bharat Varsha. Please give us a human form of life so that we can actually perfect our lives, we can actually remember you and worship you. They are actually ready to give some of their merits they are saying, they are offering, I offer some of my merits, if any pious activities are left, give us this birth. Because otherwise, Prabhupada mentions, it's like you go and live in a five-star hotel. As soon as till your credit lasts or till the time we have paid, they will allow us to stay in that five-star hotel. As soon as our credit is over or our, you know, the money that we paid is gone, we will be kicked out of that five-star hotel. So in the same way, even in the heavenly planets, 
as soon as their pious credits are over they are going to be kicked out of the heavenly planets it is mentioned that in the heavenly planets people are just exhausting their good karma and in the lower species of life in the hellish planets or the lower planets and lower species of life people are just exhausting their bad karma it is this earthly planets which is the karma bhumi where you either come and acquire good karma or you come and acquire bad karma but otherwise in the heavenly planets they are just exhausting so as soon as they exhaust their good karma they have to come back to the bharat varsha unless somebody perfects their right from there and then they go back to the supreme uh, abode of vaikuntha uh, but the rebels themselves are claiming it's hard for them to go back from there because of their opulences so demigods do want to come back here and they want to come earlier they are saying we don't want to wait till our pious credits are completely exhausted before that itself if we have any piety left just send us to the bharat varsha and make us take birth as human beings they are happy to offer that in exchange we don't want to stay here and exhaust all our pious credits we are happy to go back earlier take some of our pious credits and give us birth as human beings so shrila prabhupad says that um to take birth in this purport shila prabhupada is saying that to take birth in bhaya bharat varsha actually more piety is required than to take birth in the demigod planets but the problem is that in bharat varsha people don't know this fact like we said they are all aspiring either to come to the western western countries or aspiring to go to the heavenly planets themselves they are not aware at all this this unique um, opportunity that has been given to them so why 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 do we see these demigods aspiring to come back to this earthly planet earlier as human beings now there are several reasons which the demigods themselves mention throughout these verses where we see them glorifying and praying to narayan rishi so i've just listed down six reasons which they mention why they why they think bharat varsha is so fortunate and why they should be allowed to take birth as in the bharat varsha as human beings so the first reason which the demigods mention is that the supreme personality of godhead himself takes birth in bharat varsha the lord chooses this particular varsha to come of all the places that are available for him to appear in this world and we know for example when lord ram comes krishna comes chaitanya mahaprabhu has come all of them have taken birth in this punya bhumi of bharat varsha and because the lord chooses to come here there are so many the second reason why many gods are wanting to come to bharat varsha is because there are so many holy places there on the bharat varsha because the lord has appeared over here we see ayodhya we see navadweep mayapur dham we see vrindavan we see ahobilam there's lord narsimha dev's place we see tirupati balaji or vishnu's place so so many holy places are available in the bharat varsha where people can then grow and purify themselves they can associate and purify themselves by visiting these holy places and this opportunity is not there to people of other planets so that's the second reason the third reason is there obviously because of these two reasons that the supreme personality of godhead appears and because of that the land becomes holy there are so many holy places in bharat varsha then there is an opportunity to engage in unalloyed devotional service of the lord so we see because people get attracted people the krishna comes and performs his leelas over here for example in vrindavan dham now even if you know vrindavan dham is like for many people who live in delhi it's like their weekend go to place sometimes they just go let's go to vrindavan especially for pious people let's go to vrindavan and come they might not be so much inclined to krishna bhakti or something like that but just seeing those holy places where krishna performed their pastimes that attraction to krishna's leela is holy rising in their hearts and therefore we see there is this opportunity to then render unalloyed devotional service to the supreme lord which is available in bharat varsha the fourth reason which the demigods give and because of this that the lord appears here there are holy places there is opportunity to render service there are so many devotees who are available so many acharyas come in bharat varsha and people have opportunity to associate with these devotees they have opportunity to perfect their life by hearing from these devotees or looking at the life example of these devotees and that is what the demigods are mentioning in their earlier prayers they are saying that so many of your devotees are there in this bharat varsha they are having an opportunity to engage in sankirtan yagya and we also want to do that if we go there we will get this opportunity 
to associate with these devotees who are engaged in Sankirtan Yajna, who are engaged in glorifying and spreading your holy names throughout the world. The fifth reason which the demigods give, why they want to come to Bharat Varsha and why it is so potent to take births in Bharat Varsha is that even in a short lifespan which we have, which human beings have, you can achieve the highest perfection. So imagine, you know, we all look like to look for bees, especially again speaking of Grahastas, when we go shopping to Woolworths, Coles or wherever, we are always looking for some good bees. Oh, is there a deal on this? Is there a deal on detergent? Is there a deal on some fruits, vegetables? So when we are looking for bees, this is the best deal that the Lord is offering to residents of the Bharat Varsha. Short lifespan and achieve the highest perfection. That too very easily. That is why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, if we see, to give us the most easy process in this Kalyuga, which is the darkest of age, again, you know, making the best of the bad bargain, plus this short lifespan that all of us have in Kalyuga. 60 years, 70 years is the max, you know, average lifespan of people. But in this short lifespan, people can achieve the highest perfection. They have the opportunity to go straight away to the highest uh, planet, Goro Vrindavan, in this, in this uh, whole existence. So that is another reason. The highest perfection, the best deal is available in a short lifespan. Because demigods' life is so long. They don't even get old age. They don't even get any of these diseases which are there in this material world, in this Bharat Varsha. So they are not getting all that. And they have to live long and long and long just enjoying all the material opulences. But here in a short lifespan there is an opportunity to perfect and therefore demigods are aspiring for this particular world. And also the sixth reason which is mentioned is that Bharat Varsha offers a perfect balance of happiness and misery. So we see demigods are not aspiring. They are not saying that because of our opulences we are so attached to all these opulences and therefore we have forgetfulness of the Supreme Lord. So therefore let us take birth in hell. Because there, you know, there is so much suffering that we will remember the Supreme Lord. That is not the prayers of the demigods. Their prayer is that we want to take in birth in Bharat Varsha because there is a there is a nice balance of happiness and distress both. Because unless there is, Prabhupada says, too much of opulence, too much of richness, too much of riches, too much of uh, beauty can take one away from Krishna consciousness. One will not be inclined to serve like we see in the example of the demigods. And too much poverty and too much distress will also not make one surrender to the Supreme Lord. Because when we say, khane chine ke bande hai, everybody is just struggling to meet to ends meet. They are just struggling to stay above the poverty line and how to have the next meal on the plate. So if we are such poverty stricken or destitute condition, then also it's very hard to take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And therefore there has to be this good balance. Because some happiness is required for people to then have hope or to look forward to something along with the miseries that keep coming in this world. You know, and therefore it, the very uh, important qualities are that of helplessness. Because unless that helplessness is there in the heart, you might experience some happiness, but you know this happiness can go away anytime. You know some major disease can come anytime, old age can come anytime, children can go away anytime. So this helplessness makes one surrender and turn to the Supreme Personality of God in Bharat Varsha, which is a unique opportunity which is available to human beings who are born over here. And therefore the demigods are saying, please give us birth as human beings in Bharat Varsha. So, in fact, Prabhupada is mentioning over here. So, these are the six reasons and Prabhupada mentions further in the purport. Prabhupada says that therefore the Krishna consciousness movement is trying to create as many centers as possible throughout the world. So that people can, they can, we can preach to people, we can actually make them realize the good fortune, especially if we are preaching to Indians, the good fortune that they have got by taking birth in India. We can actually take care, you know, help, help them in their helpless situation. Because most of the people come to Krishna consciousness or turn to the Lord when there is some problem in their life. So during that time if we are not offering them that safety net of Krishna consciousness or an alternative which people can turn to when they are feeling helpless or when they are feeling uh, things are not going right in the world for them. If Krishna consciousness movement is offering an alternative to these people, and that is what Srila Prabhupada is saying over here, that we are doing vigorous preaching and we are trying to open lots of centers 
so that people get an opportunity to come to this Krishna consciousness movement. And Shriya Prabhupada has said many times, our main purpose of creating, you know, starting these temples is to create association for people. So that they can come, they can associate with devotees, they can then take up the process of Krishna consciousness and perfect their lives. They need not feel helpless anymore and in that condition we can give them an opportunity to surrender to the Supreme Lord. So Srila Prabhupada is saying over here, he is saying that once you know we are creating these centers, it will attract people to the devotees. In fact, I was hearing a very nice class, a very old class, a lecture of um, my Guru Maharaj's Holiness Radhana Swami Maharaj. And he was talking about one of Srila Prabhupada's disciples. You know, talking about how ISKCON devotees are, people are getting opportunity to associate with these devotees. So there was a devotee in the early days called Cheri Raj. I think he was in the New Vrindavan temple in America. But a very, very exalted devotee. Prabhupada's direct disciple, he must have become a devotee in the late 60s. So that means very early, uh, one of the early members of ISKCON. And after him, so many people then came into Krishna consciousness. But he would always consider himself as a very junior devotee. So he was a Sankirtan devotee. They would go out like you know in buses and all that to spread uh, on Sankirtan, book distribution and Harinam. And sometimes they would camp at different different places in America. And over there they would then camp for two, three days, preach, distribute books to Harinams and then go and pack up and go to the next place. So Maharaj was describing that he was such a humble person that as soon as, you know, he would wake up before everybody else and he would be chanting his japa and when other devotees would wake up now some of them could be very junior godbrothers some of them were even maybe disciples of his godbrothers when Srila Prabhupada was here but he would still as soon as they would wake up and they would go to take their bath in the camp, wherever they were camping he would immediately roll up their bedding and clean up that whole area and keep it nice for them when they come back after their bath but he, and he was a senior godfather. He was still serving so nicely. So everyone was attracted to this good quality of his. Like we are even about Jayanand Prabhu. He would take out garbage, he would do all the menial activities, even though he was such a senior disciple of Srila Prabhupada. So with his Teddy Raj Prabhu, because he was a Sankirtan devotee, sometimes they would break some rules or laws of America in trying to preach or maybe camping in some places where it might not be allowed. So once he had to go to jail because of that and he spent almost six months in jail, he had to go. So some of these devotees in New Vrindavan, they thought that, oh poor Jairi Raj Prabhu, he must be suffering in jail, we must go and give him some association there, let's go and meet him and come, give, take some prashad, spread some cheer to him so that he has some hope that he'll come out soon and he'll be back in the association of devotees. So when these devotees went, thinking they are going to save J.D. Raj Prabhu and they are going to cheer him up. So when they went to the jail, as soon as the guards saw them and they were entering their details to go and meet J.D. Raj Prabhu, they all started wishing prayer, wishing them Hare Krishna. And they were a bit surprised, they said, how do they know that we are all Hare Krishnas? But anyway, they went, they went and they met J.D. Raj Prabhu. And when they actually saw him, he was looking so effulgent. He was in bliss. They thought they will have to go and cheer him up, but he was in complete bliss. Very buoyant, very joyful, continuously chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and sitting down and telling them about their experiences, about his experiences in that jail. And all the people who were around there, all of them were coming and wishing this Cheri Raj Prabhu Hare Krishna. And because they realized these are Cheri Raj Prabhu's friends, they were all coming and giving special attention to his friends. And they were telling, you know, again, wishing them, telling, oh, he's such a nice person, we are so glad he's there with us. And the devotees are all surprised. They thought they are going to go and save him, but here they were getting enlivened, just hearing about Chedi and how he has done so well in the prison. So they asked, how did this transformation happen? How are so many people so blissful and saying Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna to all of us? And Chedi Prabhu said that once I, when I, once I came to jail, now there are many hardened criminals also there in jail. But he said that I used to, so they would have some recreation time where they would be allowed to go and, you know, do whatever those free time which jailers or prisoners are given. So that would be in the big courtyard or central courtyard must have been there in that jail. So he said some people would be like, you know, lifting muscles and weights to increase their muscles so they can fight well in the jail or maybe playing some games. I would just sit down and start doing kirtan. 
just sit in one corner obviously no instruments but you will start doing kirtan clap his hands and start doing loud kirtan so he said first people were obviously looking at me with so much uh, intrigue or sometimes thinking this man has gone mad but because he kept pursuing he prayed to chaitanya mahaprabhu in his heart and he kept singing day in day out slowly people started getting attracted to his good qualities and to the holy name and they started you know slowly he saw people started sitting around him they wanted to understand how to chant that mantra and then he had a full sankirtan going on in the jail slowly in a few months time so this is how devotees of krishna power consciousness movement like prabhupada is saying we are opening these centers to create association and wherever they go go they are able to give association they are association to people even to downtrodden people who are in the jail hardened criminals as we can see from this example so that is why we see chaitanya mahaprabhu also is saying that bharata bhumite haila manushya janmaya janma sarthaka kali kala parotkar it is the duty of every person who is born in bharat varsha to first sadhana sarthaka kali first perfect your own life become a devotee like in the aeroplanes we are always told first put a mask on yourself and then put a mask on your dependents save yourself become you become sadhana sarthaka perfect your life make yourself krishna conscious and then kara kara upkar go and help others also to become devotees nice devotees of krishna but unfortunately we are not realizing because you know we are given this privilege to take birth in bharat varsha with privilege comes responsibility as well but we are not realizing this responsibility what to speak of janma sarthaka kari kara kara upkar human beings are just right now engaged in exploiting this earth I was watching a very nice uh, documentary in National Geographic channel, and it was, you know, it was showing the plight of birds. It was showing that what global warming is doing to all these birds. They have to because winter comes early nowadays because of you know all this uh, global warming and same with summer. So ice starts melting because of global warming and summer comes early. They have to start migrating earlier than they would normally do that. and they were showing some little chick you know chick i think it was a goose or something like that which was migrating and some of their little chickens because there was not much time left they had to migrate early so the chickens had not even learned to fly properly otherwise actually why you know the chick chickens are they take birth the mothers teach them to fly only when they become strong they migrate with them but here they had to migrate even though the chickens had not learned to fly fly properly and it is shown in that course there that you know that goose uh, had three chickens one of them fell down trying to migrate because it was not able to sustain that climb another one actually made it they actually made it to the lower plains where the mother wanted to take them to feed something but as soon as it fell down another bird came and ate it up and there was only one bird which one chicken which made it and reached the lower grounds where in the river where the mother would then take them and feed them some grass So this is the plight. There are so many documentaries like that, which shows what is global warming, what we are doing to this Earth planet, and we see actually, you know, humans are meant such a big responsibility that we are meant to preserve resources of this Earth, but we see exactly the opposite propaganda happening. We see there is so much advertisement, there is so much propaganda for consumerism, consume, 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 spend more, consume more. That is what is the propaganda right now. In fact, very recently in our uh, 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 English class, I was giving an essay for children to write. There are 500,000 ads which people are actually subjected to in a day through different media. It could be YouTube, Spotify, TV, whatever. And is that too much advertising? Children have to write a persuasive essay on that. But we see instead of becoming frugal and instead of trying to tell people no, save resources, because these industries have to flourish, we are actually just prompting and making in, inspiring and motivating people to just keep spending money and to consume more and more resources of this earth in fact you know just two three days ago goin kapoor was giving a lecture to all the teachers and he was saying in that class that lal bahadur shastri you know lal bahadur shastri was the second prime minister of india and he was a teacher by profession when he became the prime minister so when he was a very he was a man of principles very high principles So once a man came to him, one of his close friends came to him, and he said that I am really in need of some money because my daughter I have to I have to get my my daughter's marriage has got fixed in a good family, but I need some money to celebrate her wedding nicely. 
So Lal Bahadur Shastri asked him, how much money you need? He said, I need 300 rupees. Obviously, in those days, 300 rupees must have been a big amount. So then Lal Bahadur Shastri tells him, he says that my salary is only 30 rupees per month. That is what he was drawing as a teacher. He used to work in a government school. And he said, I gave that whole salary to my wife. So I don't think we have any money, but you can still, I don't know what she does with that money. Maybe you can go and ask my wife and come, if she is able to give something. So this man goes to the wife, this friend. He goes to Lal Bahadur Shastri's wife and he asks, he says that I need 300 rupees for my daughter's wedding. Do you think you might have some spare savings or some spare money that you can give me? And the wife actually, you know, from some places in the house, she has saved money and kept and she actually gives that 300 rupees to this friend. So she says, no, you go and do your daughter's wedding nicely and whenever you get the money, uh, slowly you save it, you give it back to us. So then Lal Bahadur Shastri was very angry. He goes and asks her, he says, how did you have 300 rupees at your disposal? Because my salary is only 30 rupees and I thought you are just running the household in that 30 rupees. And she said, no, I was trying to save 10 rupees every month. So I would try to reduce our expenses of our house and manage everything within 20 rupees and I kept saving 10, 10 rupees so that it is uh, available for us and it is useful for us on a rainy day when we are short of something or let's say we have some necessity. So see, this was the tendency of people in the early days. And even now, we see in India, we see especially people do have the saving uh, tendency. But in the West, no saving mentality is there at all. Even banks don't support it. If you put your money in savings account, you get 2.5% or 2% interest probably. So even banks are not supporting it. So where is the tendency to save? But in those days, you know, especially housewives were trained that you have to, whatever your husband earns, save money from that. But Lal Bahadur Shastri being the principal man, he actually wrote a letter to the government after this. And he said, reduce my salary to 20 rupees because my wife is able to manage in 20 rupees. <laughs> But Govind Prabhu was saying, you are saying that even if that had happened, I'm sure his wife will now reduce the expenses to 15 rupees probably and save still 5 rupees. So on one hand, we know we have to save, we have to be frugal, save the earth's resources to leave it for future generations. But on the other hand, we see this whole mass um, advertisement and mass propaganda of being more consumer and So because of that, what is happening? Obviously, the earth planet is getting exploited. So instead of utilizing a human form of life to perfect our own lives and you know spread Krishna consciousness and do upkar to others, karaparokkar, we are humans are just engaged in exploiting the earth's resources. So we if all of us, especially in this, you know, by good association and fortune, good fortune, we have come in the movement of Srila Prabhupada. So if all of us take this responsibility seriously, and I know devotees in the Krishna consciousness movement, we, many devotees are doing so much, they are giving their lives to spread Srila Prabhupada's mission and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission throughout the world. But we will see, slowly we will see, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has predicted there will be a 10,000 year golden period, 10,000 year of Satya Yuga within this Kali Yuga. So we are seeing, slowly we are seeing so many people are getting attracted to Krishna consciousness. I was speaking to one devotee Mataji a few days ago, like what we are doing for Janmashtami, what are your plans in lockdown, obviously none of us could come to the temple for Darshan. And that Mataji was saying that she just prasadam distribution every Janmashtami to her neighbours. Most of her neighbours are Australians, like Italians, Greeks, whatever, they are all Westerners. And she said, every year I pack a nice container, put some savouries and sweets and I give that prasadam container to these people. And just by associating with her, initially they were all skeptical. Oh my god, what are you doing? Are you going to die eating this? But then slowly it started building on them, it, growing, it started growing on them. The prashadam they kept eating. And then, you know, nowadays they look forward. When she goes and gives them prashadam, they say that, oh, is it your Krishna's birthday? So they are chanting the name of Krishna. And she was saying, one of her neighbors, who is an elderly lady, she must be 80 or something. Just because of eating prashadam, her consciousness is changing and she tells them that I am trying to avoid meat as much as possible now. As far as possible, I am eating a vegetarian diet. So even if people just leave eating meat and become vegetarian and you know maybe appreciate the prashadam that we are giving them or any other uh, method of Krishna consciousness that we can think of by spreading uh, the Lord's holy names and the Lord's mercy to them, it is going to benefit all these people. There's so many, like when we speak to devotees, we get inspired. There's so many innovative ways in which devotees are spreading 
and they are fighting, they are warriors of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's army fighting to spread either through prashadam distribution like this Mataji does or we know, you know people who are discovering new and new ways to do book distribution some, of, some, some way to do Harinam, spread the holy names to others so once everybody, we see this golden age come we are hoping to see this in our lifetime and we are hoping to live and become part of this army of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to spread this holy name to others as well like he says, you know, Janma Sarthaka Kari Karaparupka. So we pray to the Lord and we pray to Prabhupada and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that he makes us also some instruments by which we can bring this little bit of transformation to people's lives. So we'll end the class here. Um, are there any questions, comments, corrections? You said the 10,000 golden age period started with Prabhupada and came to the West. Would you say that's when it started? Uh, yes. Yep. Yes, definitely. Prabhupada said that this will last for 10,000 years but obviously slowly you will see the effect building up. But we can already see like I mentioned so many people are becoming so um, conducive to take up Krishna consciousness. There's so much receptivity. Then the class here, Kantraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki, Srila Prabhupada Ki, Jai Nitai Gaurakrimanandeva.